21st anniversary. I was a child bride, bridegroom. Uh, I was I was seven when we got married. I'm still still hanging on to I'm 28. Still hanging, still hanging on, hanging on. Um, and also, uh, about two years ago, around this weekend, maybe next weekend, uh, Viv and I got commissioned by our, our previous church to to launch this. Commissioning is quite a grand statement. It was more like, like, no, 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 it's fantastic. Uh, so I thought, uh, I thought, smart enough today, smart enough today. And, and also the subject I'm talking about, I want to approach it with fear and trembling. Uh, so I thought I would, um, I thought I was smart enough for this morning. Why don't we pray? And then Adam's going to read, uh, read the scripture to us today. We just carry on worshiping you, Jesus, and we say, My soul finds peace in you. The question that we're, we're longing for, many of us are longing for, is, is the peace. And ultimately, you say, my, my soul finds peace in you. So we bless, uh, we bless the scriptures. We thank you, Jesus, that you. Inspire these scriptures that we're going to dive into. We, we bless the person on our left and our right. May them hear, may them hear what the Spirit says to them. We pray for our minds and our thinking that we would uh, understand. We, we pray for our hearts that we would feel and experience uh, all of that. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're going to read from Ephesians one, verse uh, three to fourteen. From three to, uh, three to 30? 40. 40. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ according to his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect, when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Know that we, who were first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. That's the word of God. It's absolutely true. And it was written and given to us in love. 
um, what Paul is doing through this book of Ephesians as we continue our journey. What, what Paul's doing is he's summarising the gospel story and how it can shape and reshape and affect our, our, our story, whether that's personally, relationally, in our community, in our family. Now, the book of Ephesians it comes in these two parts. The first uh, three chapters, we have this summar summary of the gospel, this summary of all that we've been included, and then the, the part, uh, chapters four, five, and six, are all about our, our, the way the gospel can affect our story. Uh, and this first chapter of Ephesians is, is just jam-packed. Uh, and these verses, verse uh, 3 to 14, are, are, they're like a, a beautiful traditional Jewish poem. And it praises the Trinity, it praises God the Father, uh, and the amazing things he's done in Christ. And then through Christ's forgiveness and grace, we're able to access his spirit. And so the, the uh, verses 3 to 14 are just jam-packed. Um, as, as I was thinking about this morning, uh, the summary in, in verse, verses 3 to 14, this poem, uh, almost like these two arms of Jesus. On the one arm, we can imagine him written, it's written grace, the grace that, that Jesus gives us. And it stretches out for us. On the other arm, and that's what we're going to concentrate on today, is his forgiveness. Uh, and both arms, he, he stretches his arms wide to create this covenant that we're family, that we're adopted, that we're chosen, that we're called. And in Christ, we're completely forgiven. In Christ, because of the grace, we have a whole new way of understanding. And to verse 10, it says, it says this, sums up, sums up God's purpose in this, in this one verse. It says that God's purpose was to unify all things in heaven and earth under Christ. And God's plan was to have this, uh, how can I say this? God's plan was to have this huge family of restored individuals. And so we're going to, uh, I think it was this arm, we're going to look at the arm of forgiveness today. <laughs> um, uh, so this week, someone said, oh, you've been married 20, 21 years. What's your tip? People, you know, what, what, what's the, what would help? What would help us as we get married? And uh, I said to this guy, I said, forgive your partner. If I can give you one piece of advice, it's to learn how to forgive one another. Uh, and so we're going to look at forgiveness. And, and in my opinion, this is just my personal opinion, uh, forgiveness is probably one of the most uh, misunderstood or misused tools in the body of Christ. Uh, just think about it. For those of you who, are, who do follow Jesus, remember that day when you first said yes to Jesus? When you gave your yes to Jesus? Uh, how many of you can remember? When you, said, when you gave your yes to Jesus and asked Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour and friend. Uh, you might have raised your hand, you might have come down the front of a meeting, you might have grabbed a friend, uh, you might have prayed a prayer with that person. Either then, or shortly after, that person maybe who led you to Christ, or as you started reading scriptures, or as you started going to church, you might have heard people say, you need to forgive the people that have wronged you. It's probably one of the, one of the hallmarks of the Christian faith, is this whole idea of forgiveness. 
Um, the reason why we, we misuse it or, or get it wrong is that I believe many people can't hear us or hear Christ's call for us to forgive each other because we're so, so loaded with misconceptions about what forgiveness is. Uh, and so many of us uh, have, have been to counsellors, therapists, uh, been on courses, or we've had coffees with Christian friends who have said, you, you just need to forgive that person. It's a five-minute prayer. Come on, just forgive that person. If you don't forgive them, Christ won't forgive you. You'll risk your salvation if you don't forgive that person. Uh, and so we, we come away angry. We come away, they just don't understand. Um, even just to hear that suggestion that I need to forgive those that have hurt me. No way. You might say, no way, I just can't forgive them. Or we read scriptures like in Colossians 3. It says, bear with, one in, with, with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive. As the Lord forgave you. Or in Matthew it says, For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sin. And so on and so on. Ephesians, in Ephesians 4 it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. And so we're told repeatedly in the Bible to forgive people. But here's, here's the issue. When you're really hurt by someone, when you've been stabbed in the back by a family member, when you've had your, your spouse commit adultery, when you've had your share of inheritance stolen from a sibling, um, when someone's punched you in the mouth, when you discover that your child has been molested, or your partner, your business partner, has been embezzling uh, some money. It's hard to just have a five-minute prayer. Yeah, I forgive them. That's, it's, it's really hard. And so many of us, particularly God-loving, fear-hungry Christians, we feel stuck because we know we should just forgive them. But it's hard. It's hard to forgive. Um, and so we, we sometimes we get chained to the hurt and we get chained to the anger that we feel towards people. Um, uh, and then when you talk about abuse, or you talk about uh, long-term issues you have with family members. Uh, why do we say I, I can't forgive? How do we? Why do we? Why do we say that? And uh, as I was thinking, as I was imagining this morning, I was thinking, I was imagining that some of us are in that place right now. We've gritted this issue for months or years or decades. We've gone to a ton of people. We've spent a load of money on, with counsellors. We've been on the courses. Uh, and that thing that's haunted you, it's called unforgiveness. Uh, I'm, uh, a friend of mine we met a few years ago, and uh, he said to me, we were talking about some of, some of the stuff in his life, and he said, I've, I've suppressed my childhood memories, so I can't now remember ten years and younger. I've just shut that piece down. And so, again, glibly, I said, well, we need to open that Pandora's box. Let's, let's talk about it over a beer. Um, and in my naivety, I was trying to provoke, because as a, as a Christian, I want to get that person to forgive the abuser. Surely, I'll, if, I, if I get him to forgive, 
I'll feel better. I'll come away and I'll, I'll say to them, yeah, I met with someone, he cried, and I got him to forgive that person. And uh, over, over the beer, the guy said, don't you dare patronise me. Don't you dare tell me that I've got to suddenly open up this stuff. You've got no idea. There's a reason why I've suppressed this pain. There's a reason why I've, I've stopped thinking about this kind of thing. So I imagine that you're either in that place now where you're gritting unforgiveness through, or you're going to have to. If you hang around with people, you will have to forgive people. So if you're not in that place now, you probably will be. So you might want to check out, but you might want to listen, because uh, this might affect you. Uh, the, the, the trouble with the flippancy we sometimes put on forgiveness is that that real forgiveness doesn't occur. And then we as Christians and believers, we feel guilty or bad about ourselves. And we still hold on, the Bible talks about bitterness, unforgiveness leading to bitterness. And for some of us, we feel in that place of bitterness, anger, pain towards that person. C.S. Lewis once said, forgiveness is a lovely idea until you have to forgive someone. <laughs> We all struggle with the difficulty of forgiving actual people in real situations. Uh, the, tr the truth and the challenge I want to tackle today is that we didn't truly apply forgiveness correctly. And it's a huge subject, um, and I hope you can understand in these sort of 25 minute talks. I say 25 minutes as if it, that actually happens. Uh, but in these 25 minute talks, you won't get everything you need. Um, we, we believe that um, we provide a map, not a menu, for your discipleship. We're not going to give you a, a bullet point message on how you can forgive. But what we are going to do is put some signs and some markers that you can go to. Uh, we we want to treat you as adults, and we're not. We, we think, don't I think that if we create sort of consumers. We won't create disciples. Yeah. Yeah. If we just give you the, if we're just like tour guides, come with me. Let's let's go down forgiveness. This is the first step. This is the second step. Um, we're not tour guides. We're just providing maps for you. We think that you're adults. We think you're intelligent. We think that you can go. If you've got issues with forgiveness, then you just go to some of these markers. So this morning, you're not going to get everything that you need. There are some fantastic books and fantastic resources, and uh, if you do want, if you do want help, then uh, please come to us. Here at Vineyard, though, we, we believe that we're a hospital at times. You've heard us say, you know, we're a battleship, we're an army, we're a training ground, we're, we're a compassionate movement. Um, we're also an army. Uh, we're also a hospital. <laughs> That's a different talk. We're also a hospital. Um, and I've just written some things down. Sadly, but inevitably, many of us come to Jesus in a poor state. Uh, if you've recently decided to follow Jesus, then there, may, there might be a great deal that needs treatment in this hospital. Even if you've followed him for many years, and many of us have been following him for many years, there are often hurts, damage, and, and things that have happened to us that need forgiveness. And Jesus' healing touch. Uh, although our sin 
although our sin is forgiven at the cross, where Jesus died for us, it may take us time to deal with the consequences of sin. The consequences of your sin, the consequences of other people's sins towards, towards you. But what we believe in this place, we want this to be a community which is like a hospital, where friendships, whether that's in small groups or prayer groups or courses or one-to-one, uh, -one, what we do is we place these signposts towards Jesus. Uh, Matthew 9 says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But the sick. Um, and so you and I need, need that. We all need that sometimes, to have that, that place of health. Uh, a few weeks ago, someone placed a box of tissues under my chair. Because I cry, I, I do cry a lot. And there's times where I need this place for, as a hospital for me. Viv and I, as we pastor, we need this place to be a hospital at times. Um, so our, some, of, some of our assumptions, well, you're adults, we provide a map, this is going to be a hospital for many people. Our, fi our final assumption is that our true identity in Christ needs to be fought for. As we begin to transition through Ephesians, what we're, what we're seeking to do, to do is discover our born identity uh, and move from just that under uh, cognitive understanding to experiencing the gospel story and to making it our story. And so when it comes to forgiveness and this whole era of restoration, um, I want to give some signposts for the rest of the, the rest of the time. When Jesus was on the cross, he says, Father, do you remember, he's on the cross, and he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Start thinking about that. It's a pretty bold statement for the Son of God. Why have you forsaken me? Uh, particularly when the Son of God knew what was going to happen. He knew where he was going. And uh, I want to propose that he was saying, why have you forsaken me? Because for the first time in all of history, he, he had this time of separation between him and God. Uh, and that the sin that causes that was placed upon him. The whole entire world of sin, past, present and future, was placed upon him. And so that's why I said, why have you forsaken me? Do you remember what the soldiers did? Do you remember what the soldiers did? They tried to give him gall, gall, gall. Do you remember that? They tried to give him, have some of this. Do you know what gall is? It's a painkiller. It's a painkiller. Uh, and just my imagination, I, I wondered whether the soldiers, in that moment of compassion, they saw how much pain he was going through. He was in obvious pain. So they wanted to give him this sedative, this gall. So Jesus drunk him. What did he do? It's not an English lesson. It's not sort of comprehension time. Uh, he spat it out, didn't he? Did you ever think about that? Why did he spit it out? This is my only proposal. As soon as Jesus realised what it was, as soon as he realised it was a painkiller, he wanted to spit it out. Because Jesus wanted to take away your pain on the cross. The pain that sin causes, the pain that unforgiveness causes, he wanted to feel it so that you and I didn't have to feel it. That's why he spat it out. This is the ultimate. This is where we're headed. 
that you and I wouldn't feel pain. Uh, and in this short little instance, I want, uh, Jesus shows us a way to forgive people the wrongs uh, against us. Uh, God always says to us, come as you are. Not as you, how you think you should be, but just as you are. When you come to God as you really are, and he might say to you, I can see you're really dirty. I can see your life's really messed up. I can see all the anger. I can see all the bitterness. Let me clean you up. Come as you are. Let me clean you up. And he says, I'm not shocked by your mess. I'm not surprised. He's not sitting on the throne. And he sees you and his, his crown slips. And he's, what? I'm, I'm, how could they? He's not surprised. He's not shocked by you. However you've messed up or however other people have messed you up, whether you're broken, you're hurt, or you're a survivor. You don't have to be all cleaned up to come to God. He's just saying, I love you as you are. Let me clean you up. And I believe that Jesus shows us this beautiful formula, formula of working and forgiving for this world of sin. So like Jesus, he spat out this goal so that he could feel the pain. So my first sort of marker is really, before God, we shouldn't hide our pain. We shouldn't hide it or try to pretend it or hide our anger from him. Uh, we shouldn't hide our hurt. We shouldn't hide the things that we're, we're struggling with. We need to find ways of presenting that to God. I, there, there are times in my own life where I felt this great chasm of pain and anger. So some, some people got worried when I said this a few months ago that I'm in therapy. Uh, I had a few texts saying... You okay? Can I can I get my pastor friend to come and pray with you? They were kind of shocked that this pastor type was in in therapy. But uh, hurt people hurt people, and I don't want I don't want to hurt people. So and there's stuff in my life, stuff that people have done to me that I just want to uh, get help with, uh, particularly forgiveness. So with my therapist, we've been able to just bring this pain, bring this anger uh, before him and before God, Christian, Christian therapist, and we've been able to sort of present this, this stuff. Uh, even, you know, we are here in the church, we offer all kinds of pastoral care. One of the common needs that we're noticing is that uh, people, are, they want to talk about, we want to talk about the pain from the past, Pain from the past, relationship issues, and helping people to forgive others. Those are some of the common, common things that we talk about. Even during our job club, uh, the number of times we've talked to people and we've helped them to forgive other people, just in our job club, or even on the streets. Uh, we have plenty of tissues on the streets because often people come, they come to strangers and they tell, all kinds of, they tell us all kinds of things. It's a prayer and healing and, and our life as a Christian, it's common for us to help people forgive. So, number one, be real with Jesus. Be real with Jesus about your pain. I urge you, be real with him. He knows it anyway. As we begin to acknowledge the pain and spit out those things that are going to numb us. So, so we spit out 
the things that we try to suppress, whether that's drinking, whether that's uh, social networks, whether it's uh, uh, Netflix. There's all kinds of things we try to do to suppress some of that stuff. All kinds of things that we try to numb all that's going on. With Jesus, we, he knows it already. We just need to present it to him. So, number one. Number two, we need to find a place of healing. Find your hospital. Or find some people who will walk, walk you through. Uh, we can always partner with people in our bitterness and in our gossip. There will always be people that we can talk to about uh, how bad that person was to me. And they will just fuel that anger and that bitterness. We all know that, don't we? I'm expecting people to nod. It's not just me, is it? We all know people who we can partner with our frustrations. Did you know they did this? There's always, we all know people like that. We've all done that. We've all listened to that. We've all sort of fueled, fueled that fire as well. Um, can we be real? Can we be real with one another? Um, You've heard me say before, if this is a place where it's just a social club, let's just pack up now. If, if you can't be real here, let's just pack up now. Uh, we have small group leaders who you can talk to. We run Sozo Prayer. Sozo, it's a fantastic prayer tool which just helps people to connect with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And most of what we're doing is helping people to forgive. So we spend hours, not minutes, talking, helping people to forgive, forgive other people. So two years ago, when Viv and I were commissioned, one of the things that we dreamt about, and one of the things that we felt God say was, um, see something in people that they don't see in themselves. And help people to see that thing that we see and God sees. And so our journey in this last couple of years has just been really just to trying to help other, help people to see how God sees them, help them to see their true true identity. Okay, so find a hospital. Number two, number three, uh, number three is is a little bit fluffy. Um, I a few years ago I was at a conference and. They, they did a workshop on forgiveness. And I had a load of people I needed, I, I was angry with, a load of people that heard them. And so I went to this conference, or reluct, went to this workshop reluctantly, and the people at the front, there's a whole team of people saying, you've got to forgive, you've got to forgive. And come forward if there's anyone that you need to, need to forgive. So I sort of trotted forward, I had a list of people. <laughs> and uh, this, the, 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 the the guy there, he said, you just need to forgive. You need to forgive all those people. And in fact, we need to reconcile with them now. Have you got their phone number? <laughs> I said, yes. <laughs> I have their phone number. He said, great. We need to phone them up now. And you need to just say that you forgive them. <laughs> I don't know how you would respond. Uh, I was, bigger, I was bigger than him, so I politely told him to clear off. <laughs> uh, if, he was a, if he was bigger than me, he might have had a little issue, but I felt confident that I could just say there's no flipping chance. <laughs> no, no chance. Um, 
So I come as a, as a man. Number three, this is a little bit fluffy for me. Um, but it's to know how radically loved you are by Jesus, by your friend, by your saviour. I'm trying, Daniel. You see, if, you see, if God stood before you for one second, just imagine this. Imagine Jesus. He stands before you just for one second. And you actually saw in his eyes how radically loved you are. It would only take a second. Imagine that day when we look at Jesus' eyes. I'd only need a second before I start crying. Even just think about it. Forgiveness would be easy, wouldn't it? As we stand in front of Jesus and see how much he loves us, what he's done for us. We know it in theory, don't we? We can also, yeah, Jesus loves me. We know, I know Jesus loves me. But I, I imagine I would have this epiphany that one second, he has so much love and forgiveness for me. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And so I'm Jesus, I'm bringing you my pain. Okay, I'm going to skip ahead. Uh, this last step, uh, I want to call it fantasizing with God. We all know how to, we all know here how to fantasize. Um, so what would it be like having three million pounds? We can, we can go there. Right. We need three million pounds. What would that look like? <laughs> what would we do with three million pounds? Uh, West Ham are playing Liverpool today. I'm just imagining, what would that be like if West Ham, West Ham went? Or, we, we all know how to fantasise. What, what I want to tweak, really, is we're using those same skills of imagination, those same skills of just staring, looking, wondering, dreaming, imagining what it'd be like to fantasize the world. And this last step, um, I just want to go through today with all of us. Let me give you a fantasy. So Jesus, he's in the garden, garden of Gethsemane, the, the, the night before... Uh, he was hung on the cross. Jesus is getting ready to die in the garden. You know, he's sweating blood. That's, that's really manly. For me, that's like, he's a proper man. If, I was, if, if Jesus and I were with that guy, we could just take him out. <laughs> that guy before us. Jesus is a proper man. He's sweating. He's sweating blood. Um, what's he saying back to his father? So he's saying to father, if there's another way you can take this cup from me, please take it. Remember, he's coming. He said, is there another way? Is there another way apart from the cross that I've got to go through in order for, for the sins to be paid for? And, he, and in my imagination, he's, he's saying, I know we agreed, we agreed this in heaven, but I'm not sure quite now. And I, see, and I see Father God coming to him. And I see him say, Jesus, do you remember Steve Bateman? And I see Jesus just stop him. And uh, I see the Father just looking at my life. And Father looking at your life. 
and he show, he reminds Jesus of my life. Do you see what's going to happen to him? How, see what sin and shame and guilt is going to do to him if you don't do this. It's going to completely destroy him. It's going to disfigure him. And then I just, I just have this fantasy of Jesus just getting filled again with compassion for me. Compassion for you. And he jumps up and he says, okay. He makes this choice. Okay, I'm going to do it for him. I'm going to do it for you. And then I, and then I imagine Jesus on the cross. And I think Jesus, Jesus on the cross. And I see Jesus hung, hung in there. And he cries out, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me empty? separated. And I, I just imagine Father coming to him again. And he says, do you remember Steve ate me? And uh, just in my fantasy, Jesus has got his eyes closed. And uh, as the Father says, remember Steve Bateman. Remember how beautiful he's going to be after you've done this. And I imagine the Father and the Son having this exchange. Remember what your sacrifice is going to do to him. And he opens, he opens his eyes and he looks, looks to the Father and says, I'll do it. And he looks at me, in my fancy, he looks at me and he says, it's finished. And uh, when you get that, when you see Jesus looking at you and say all of your unforgiveness, all of your shame, it's finished. Just nail that stuff to the cross with Jesus. And trust me. Give it to me. And he says to you, for some of you here, he says to you, you weren't designed to carry this stuff. You weren't designed to carry unforgiveness. You weren't designed to carry this shame. You weren't designed to experience what you experienced. It wasn't my plan for you to be to experience this. Give this to me, trust me. And when, when we get to heaven, we meet our maker. We meet our maker, we meet our judge, we meet our king, we meet our saviour. Uh, I imagine, I fantasise about this time, and I, I say, and I say to Jesus, show me that tape when you hung on the cross. And you just, when you hung on the cross and you thought of me, Show me that tape again. And this is where it gets lovely. And he sees me beautifully. And he sees me as, uh, as lovely. Would you do, just close your eyes. Close your eyes as we pray. There's an obscure passage in, in Exodus where the snakes come and they bite and they, or they bite all the Israelites. And uh, they're deadly. And God says to Moses, just create this, uh, this statue. Create this statue and let people come. And as they look at the statue, they will be healed. Just as I was thinking about this morning, if we can, if for you and I, if we can look at the cross and imagine Jesus looking back, back at us and say, it's finished. That's all we need to do. Come as you are, encounter Jesus.
we go back to God and we say, God, I need your help once again. I come back to you naming that hurt, calling it sin, naming the person, or in my case, people before you. I'm giving you my hurt. I'm giving you my bitterness. Giving you my grudge. And asking you, God, to forgive them. And this last step we haven't got time to look at, but if you can get to a place where you bless them, that's when you know you're, you're truly forgiven. Peter asked Jesus a question How many times should I forgive? What did Jesus say? Come on, shout out. Seven times seven seven. As long as it takes, basically Jesus was saying. It might be once, it might have a period over months and years. 